Hi everyone, welcome to the HW Property Show. Today we got Jack Slen on. Um, he's been sourcing rent-to-rent properties for a while now, and he's here to show share his expertise with everyone. So, Jack, welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into property? Yeah. So, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, Harry. Uh, I know that you're going to be doing quite a few of these in the future, so it's it's um, it's nice of you to invite me on. Um, I think I started my journey in the last year of university, really. So I was in university, I was doing business and finance. I was getting taught by people who had never done or owned a business, and yet they were teaching business and finance. So um, I learned quite quickly not to listen to them and then just actually try doing stuff. Um, so I was doing my dissertation, it's about 15,000 words, and uh, decided to set up a property business at the same time. Um, which was which was fun and games. So um, I started out really the main the main reason that I started out is I, I did some work experience as an accountant because it complemented my degree. Um, they offered me a job uh, which was like twenty five grand a year, a company car. Uh, you know every, what, what you'd expect coming out of uni, but pretty decent. And um, went in on the Monday, did four days. I was suited and booted. Um, I had two screens. You know, loving it, thinking oh, they're going to be the next Wolf of Wall Street, and uh, and then just packed in on the Thursday. <laughs> this is not for me. I'm I'm getting out of here. Um, it's it's just there's no life, no energy, no no nothing. I I no idea what we're going to do. Um, but then uh, decided to really go into property because that's what I enjoyed, and and the idea being that I was also had a football background. So yeah. to source properties for footballers, I just went through loads of different property businesses and clicked sourcing. And I was like, I can do that as well as staying in football, which was a big thing for me. Um, so yeah, that, that, how, that how it all started, why property and everything like that. Also, I'm not very practically gifted either um, in terms of like doing renovations and stuff like that. And everybody yeah. always says, you know, useless at DIY. So it was kind of a challenge just to say, do you know what, I'm going to do property just to just to prove all you lot wrong as well, that I can do it and I will do it. But, so, but use your brain. Use your brain yeah. rather than your hands, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not very technically gifted. Hand-eye coordination's gone a long time ago. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's how I got started um, in, in, a, in a nutshell and then just continued from there, really. So you, you started sourcing. You're still sourcing properties. Um did you go straight for rent-to-rent property? Because I know a lot of people try and source different properties um, and then finally find their niche and stick to it. But did you start with rent-to-rent? No, I'm spot on with what you just said there because I didn't really do any training as such. Um, I was trying to do a little bit of everything. So yeah. I, you know, I had developments coming through. I had land opportunities, which I thought were opportunities that were just passed from eight different uh, cold deal sources. But to me at that time, it was like, wow. Um, I had buy-to-let opportunities, rent-to-rent opportunities. Um, and I did zero deals because I was doing too much too soon. Yeah. Um, and and when you try to do that, you never focus on, on actually just getting the result in, getting a sale in. Uh, and that's when your business actually becomes a business until then it's just a concept, it's an idea. Yeah. So you make that first sale, um, that's that's when you actually have a business. So that's another thing that I realised. So how how long was it, if you don't mind me asking, then till your first sale? 
Yeah, so for me, I was actually quite fortunate. It was only about three or four weeks. Okay. Um, but I did only take a small fee on it. So I took yeah. £600 out of a, out of a uh, you know, full fee of 3000 So I only took 600 Um And uh, it, was at, it was a studio apartment in Liverpool. Um, and it was tiny. It was, it was SA standard. Yeah. But um, this woman wanted to... She had loads in Chester and she was like, oh, I want to get uh, get out of Liverpool and just focus on Chester. So I find a, a guy who was based in Exeter, just randomly found him, said, look, let's do the deal. And, and within four, three, four weeks, he was, uh, he was he was paying for the deal. So, so, so it was lucky. It was lucky. I think it was, but then it's also putting yourself out there as well. You met your own luck, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, so did you, so when you were trying to find these deals, um, what types of things were you doing to find them? I mean, starting off, you said you had no training, right? That's, that's correct, no training. I did at the start, and then I've been through some training since. Yeah, um, so at, at the start, how did you find them? Because I know a lot of people try and get into property without training. Um, yeah. And I'm just wondering how you managed to get into property three or four weeks later, find a deal take a fee. I mean, that's quite an achievement. How, how did you do that? I think a lot of it just comes down to, to your work ethic. Um, when you're first starting out, every single piece of information that you take on board is new. Yeah. So it's all like a bit of a rush. You know, you, you're like, well, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. And you can get pulled from uh, a loads of different direction. I think the key is to be, to be very flexible with how, how you are in that time period, not to be like, right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It's to welcome all the different opportunities and explore them and put 100% into everything you're doing to then refine it down to, right, that's where I want to be uh, in the future. A lot of people try and go as deep as possible to start with, um, which is good if, if that's what you want to do, but a lot of people don't know what they want to do. They want to get into the process, but they don't know what strategy so put everything into exploring buy-to-lets, into rent-to-rents, into developments, and then go, right, a bit like I did, I like rent-to-rents, um, and that's where I want to go. Um, so that's the one that I'm going to focus on because I'll put the effort into all the others. Um, so, that's, yeah, that's what I would say. And in terms of, I know what you're trying to say in terms of somebody starting out, how would they even get through the door in speaking to an investor yeah. and uh, getting a deal? It's all about networking and getting out there. Like, there, there's, nobody's going to come knocking on the door saying, "Jack, please, can you, uh, you know, can, can you put somebody in my property? Or can you sell this property for me?" You know what I mean? Yeah. I went all over the country. I spent three, six to six months all over the country, pin events, pen networking events, uh, all sorts. Samuel Leeds crash course, any event that was property, I was trying to get there. Just so to, to learn and, and, and meet people. So something I wanted to ask you, because um, I've asked quite a few guests on the show and it seems to be coming sort of um, a question I ask every week. What about your age? How did people react to your age? Because obviously you're not, you're not that old. Um, and I, we've had other guests on and they've had problems because of their age. I personally had problems. I mean, I got told I, got told I wasn't allowed to go and view certain houses and put an offering because of my age. So did you have any issues with that or did it all just go perfectly fine? I never thought of it, to be honest with you. It was never a barrier for me. So it never, it, I think a lot of it is what you consciously are thinking about. 
Yeah. So if you're consciously telling yourself, I'm too young, I'm too young, I'm too young, that's going to come across in how you behave, how you act, how you speak, how you talk, how you own the room. Uh, for me, it was never, it was a case of, as long as I prove my worth here and I bring value to this table, it doesn't matter how old I am. Um, two years down the line yesterday, I went and viewed 50 apartments in Leicester. There's a developer who was 45, 50 and a management guy who, uh, who was about 35. Uh, and he actually asked me, how old are you? I said, 22. And he went, wow, like, you know, just to be in your mindset, stuff like that. But it, it, he didn't ask that to the end. They weren't yeah. bothered because when we was going around the development, the only thing that he was bothered about is that I had the knowledge, the skills um, to be able to deliver on, on, on the opportunity that we've been presented. Um, so I think it, it's all about your mentality. If you think that age is going to be a barrier, it'll stop you. And don't get me wrong, it can slow you down a little bit. Yeah. Some people are like that, you know, a bit prejudiced, but it won't stop you. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I, I, and speaking from experience, I've had experiences where I parked my car around the corner because it was seen as a boy racer car and I've walked yeah. up down the road. And I mean, I feel like it is a barrier for a lot of people, but once you're over that um, and realize that you can do it and you're a great example of that, I mean, it's just smooth sailing because you've got so much more time in the game. Um, you've got so much more time to make mistakes and learn that by the time you get to some of the age, uh, the age of some other people who are just getting into property, you're going to be rolling on fire. Well, it's, it's interesting what you just said there about your boy racer. Uh, yesterday, I turned up and, uh, to, to uh, that development, and uh, the management guy's got this big uh, racing blue BMW. The developer's got a Range Rover, and I turned up in a green Skoda. Do you know what I mean? So, again, I, I parked right next to them because yeah. I don't care what, what car I'm driving, what clothes I wear, um, how old I am, what I look like, yeah. anything, it doesn't matter. It's what comes out and the actions and, and the knowledge and everything that I deliver. And that's the same thing. I won't park around the corner just because I've got a green Skoda. I park right next to him and say, I'm here and, and, and this, is what, this is what we're doing. So, I mean, obviously, did you, have you, did you, input, did you use a personal brand? Um, when you're starting out? Because I've seen now you're trying to do a lot more personal branding. I mean, you've got your podcast coming up. You're going to start posting a lot on YouTube. I mean, I've seen you do TikToks. You post a lot on your Facebook stories. I just wanted to go into a personal brand. And do you think that's helped you with your business? Um, I think it's something that I haven't had time to really put into uh, as much as I wanted to. Um, okay. Didn't really understand the importance of it either for, for quite a long time. Um, and I think... It, People got caught up in personal branding before they've even got a brand, if that makes sense. Yeah. You've got yeah. to be able to make sales, make money, build yeah. relationships away from the camera before you then start getting in front of a camera. Yeah. People's first thing is they listen to one YouTube video and then, and then jump on the camera and yeah. they haven't made a sale, they haven't done this, they haven't done that. And, and I feel that they get it mixed up because everybody goes, you've got to have a personal brand. Well, yeah, you do, but you've got to have a brand to be able to to put that out there yeah um, and to build a brand you have to start with a business yeah but that's interesting because we were literally i just literally filmed another podcast yesterday about personal brands and um i completely get what you're saying but i feel like a lot of people it is a lot of it is a barrier for a lot of people as well um and yeah. it's a confidence switch a lot of people don't like posting stuff um we did another podcast on that on how to overcome that but for young people, I feel like 
personally, I feel like personal brand is very important for yeah. to because investors want to see your story. Um, they need to be able to relate to you and showing your story on a personal brand, filming these videos. I mean, it just creates rapport, builds rapport, and it's 100%. yeah, it's a great, great way to like demonstrate. That. Yeah, it's a great way to demonstrate your knowledge as well. Yeah, you know, to do it authentically and say, right, well, this is what I think. This is what I do. Um, but I've, I've, what I mean by don't do it straight away is, I mean, don't do it on your first day. Yeah, but yeah, do, yeah. But do it in two, you know, two weeks, do your first video. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? But at least get a, a little idea of, of what you're talking about well, before, yeah. you, before you start go out because personal brand can be powerful for good reasons and for bad reasons. We all know yeah. people in the property game that have got a personal brand for all the wrong reasons that nobody would want that that brand attached to them. Yeah. Um, so I think you've got to be really careful with put stuff out there, um, but just make sure it's it's what you truly believe in and, and you've actually got knowledge to give. Um, otherwise, people are just not going to be interested anyway. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the fear factor, just just don't care about any what anybody else thinks. Yeah. Like, just don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. There's so many different people out there. But that is a hard thing for a lot of people. Yeah. I know it seems like, I mean, I'm guessing you were quite a confident person before you got into property. Um, and I I mean, for a lot of people, it is an issue um, to be that person who doesn't care. I mean, I, I remember my first hate comment on Facebook and I was sitting there, I was ready. I wasn't, I wasn't the type of person who wouldn't care. I was the type of person to get angry. So I yeah. remember sitting there thinking, I'm going to type this person the worst message they've ever seen, but you've just got, as you said, you just got to not care about what people think and embrace everything. Um, and just laugh it off as well. Just yeah. Be like, it's funny. You know, I, I did a TikTok video yesterday. Said, "Oh, are you uh, are you selling another course um, in, in your in your through that link in your bio? The link in my bio is 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 uh, is for a charity." So I was just laughing, just like you know, the people don't even check. So yeah. you've just got to laugh it off if you let stuff like that. How 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 is your TikTok going? I wanted to ask that because I know one again one of the great things about being young um, in property is you know what TikTok is and you know how to use it. I mean, as I mean, it does some some people may take this the wrong way, but a lot of younger people have grown up with technology, so they're used to using it and they can take advantage. I mean, TikTok's a platform I wish wish I jumped on way earlier, and I see you post quite a lot of TikToks. How how is it all going on there? Yeah, it's good. Um, I would say uh, it's all learn. It's all learning. So I've done. Oh, I'm just trying to have a look now. I think I've done about thirty posts, maybe. Uh, no, probably more than that. Um, but done quite a few posts now. I've only got ninety-two followers on there. I've got five hundred yeah. likes, ninety-two followers, and that's been completely transparent and accountable. I post pretty much every single day on there. Um, but what I'm starting to do is I'm learning, right, what, what do you need to have on TikTok in order to become um, better and mainstream and, and, and get more uh, followers? Yeah. So stuff like how important your hashtags are, how important um, a tagline might be, how important it is where the words are on the page, the music, and, and little things like this. Yeah. Um, the, probably the first 20 videos, I didn't even think about it. I just wanted to get 20 videos out there. Yeah. But now I'm starting to, uh, and again, this is what I'm saying about just put everything into doing it first and then reflect and go, right, 
where do I need to be next? So that's what I've done with, with a TikTok. That's just how I do everything, to be honest with you, I think. Yeah. I just do it, and then I go, right, what's happened? Boom, that works, that works, that works. Let's refine them things and make it even better, um, which is start to do the TikTok side of things as well. So basically, you like to learn on, on the job. In yeah, the next yeah. you like to get stuck in and learn that way. Yeah, there's only uh, there's only so many results you're going to get from reading books. Yeah, it's the actual doing of it that, that you're going you're to get. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. So let's go into because rent to rent. I mean, you're doing incredibly well. So I mean, one of the first things I want to go into is how do you analyze um, an area for rent to rent HMOs and SAs because I know it's a it's, it's out there, the, the content's out there. A lot of people see videos on YouTube, but I just want to know your take of it because I know from each video to video, there's lots of different tricks that people pick up. Um, and I just want to see your thoughts on that. Well, I think the, the way that we analyze anything that we do, uh, yeah. and especially areas, is uh, that this is a concept that, that you can apply to everything. And, and it's one that my mentors downloaded into me. Um, is always have the exit before you you enter. So what that means is whatever area that you're looking in and whatever area that we look at, um, we um, we basically make sure that that the area is up to scratch in terms of it's going to have demand, and we would get people. Sorry, something just popped up on my laptop. That's why it's slowed down. Um, but yeah, um, so we, we all, we, what we do is we get areas that have already got demand. So we say, right, we're looking in London for HMOs. Yeah. What kind of tenant is going to be in our properties? For example, we're going to look in South East London and we're going to look at local housing association. That's going to be our exit. And then what we do is we go to the council and we build that relationship up. Because the properties are everywhere. The, the properties, you can find properties if you look hard enough or you wait long enough. They're everywhere. It doesn't matter. What we do is we start that the exit is not everywhere. That's the most important part. But how do you build that relationship with the council? Because um, it's, I guess, and it's not as simple as just walking into the council, telling them what you're doing, and all of a sudden it's there. How do you build that relationship and build that rapport with the council? It's like everything, it takes time especially with the council, it is, it is it, you'll, you will go and try pull your eyes out about four times um, because it's painful and it is slow. Yeah. Um, the, obviously, the key thing when, any, when you're trying to find anybody is speaking to the right person. Yeah. Um, and if you're not speaking to the right person, you might as well not be having the conversation. So, you know, I always try getting in contact with whoever I need to be. Yeah. Um, uh, either head of the department, um, you know, head of housing for that particular borough, whoever it is that I need to speak to. And I might not even know who I needed to speak to. That's the beauty of it. You know, a lot of people go, but how do you know who to speak to? Yeah. You don't sometimes. You just pick up the phone and go, I need to speak to your line manager. And they'll go, oh, why? And you'll be like, well, I, you know, I've got, a, I've got a problem. Or you, sometimes, sometimes you have to create a problem in order to get through. And you say, right, I've got a problem. I need to speak to the line manager. A amount of times I've done that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll put you through now. It's, a, it's about me, colleagues. I don't want to disclose a name, but yeah. And then yeah. you get on through to the line manager and it goes, oh, yeah, just uh, wondering, bloody, 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 and you go in. They don't know why, why you've been put through. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a very good tip. And that's, yeah. Um, yeah. What, what about, so 
how do you build that first bit of rapport though? So speaking to them, I get that, but surely you've got to have a property um, and it's got to work the first time. Would you say that's the only, the first way to build rapport or is there any little things you can do? Um, I mean, speaking to them is great. Is there anything else you do? In terms of the area, what we would do is we would always, <coughs> so we look at the exit first. Yeah. And we said, right, we, we're going to look at, for example, the council. Yeah. Right. But before we'd speak to the council, we would probably just do a quick search in the area. I'm talking 30 minutes max to see if four, five, six, seven bedroom properties are available in the area, the number that are available. Um, and, you know, have they got licenses? What's kind of the, the profile? Um, just to see if there's enough stock there. You know if there's 20 properties in them areas, you're good enough to execute on at least one. Yeah. If there's five properties in the entire borough, you know that that's probably not going to work out. It's not, ringing, it's not worth ringing the council. Yeah. Um, now, we would probably, just to be a little bit cheeky, we would pull one of them properties off, put it in one of our brochures, which takes five minutes, yeah. And then go to the council and say, look, we've got a property, blah, 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 blah. This is what it looks like. Uh, or this is one that we've done in the past. And say, and, and that it gives you, you've got to be a bit cute about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't go in, uh, it, and it's not fake it till you make it. it. It's just a case of this is a potential opportunity uh, and we're going to use it as something that we've done in the past. But this yeah. could, you know, could easily be one of ours if we want your turn. We've got others in the country. It's about it's about wording it, I guess. Yeah. It's about how you present it, how you how you word it to the council, um, and how confident you are. Again, confidence is going to be a massive thing. If you've seen confident, and you've seen like you've, I mean, obviously you have done it loads of times before. But if you've seen like you've done it loads of times before, um, they're going to be more willing to work with you. The key thing is as well is let let them talk. Yeah. Even though you're bringing them, they should be the one that does most of the talking. Yeah. If you can. Now, not most, not many people. Well, uh, everyone's different, but some people don't like to talk, so it's a bit more difficult. But some people, you'll ask one question to say, "Oh, what's your process for for housing tenants?" And they'll go on and they'll tell you everything. You need this. You need that. You need that. Now, what a lot of people would do is they'll jump in and ask other questions. Just let them, just let them talk. You know, five, ten minutes, just let them go for it. Let them tell you everything about everything and encourage them with little questions and so. So you mentioned that um, that, that contract, what does that mean exactly? Even though you might know what it means, but you might just want to confirm it. Yeah, So sometimes people love talking. Know, they just love talking. They're just, you know, demonstrating the, the knowledge. It's like what we're doing now. Yeah, you know, and I we're, we're what I what, about it because we're talking. Yeah, what I what I tend to do when I'm talking to anyone um, is tone matching because obviously you wanna you wanna have someone if they're speaking to you you want them to feel comfortable and as you said when they're talking loads and loads and loads you just want to keep it going because people people who like talking just just love it as soon as someone lets them off the leash and they can just go for it. Yeah, they, they just love it, and that's yeah. Again, that's a great tip. So, what about how how do you actually find the deals? Because I mean, everyone uses Right Move and Zoopla. Is that all you use? Right Move and Zoopla, or are there any other ways? All sorts of different platforms, like platforms that people advertise. Oh yeah, we look for deals on here. Yeah, but they never they would never find a deal on there. Um, we actually do go on, on loads of different platforms and. Don't get me wrong, there's platforms that are more popular than other platforms, naturally. Yeah. Um, and you get more stock from. 
Um, I'd say the biggest one that how we find deals is through agents, but having that relationship with the agent. So in the last four weeks, we've done three deals with one, one agent in Portsmouth. Okay. So that one relationship alone is worth £9,000 as a company. Yeah. Just, just, from, just from that one relationship. Yeah, and it's a win-win. That's what a lot of people don't understand. It's yeah. a win-win. I mean, I didn't understand. I got shown, but I don't know if you know Muzzy. Um, I got shown by Muzzy once, um, right at the start when I was doing property, showed me a, a spreadsheet of the wins for a landlord. And I didn't know, I, I had no clue. I thought it was just offering a landlord a bit more security, but the spreadsheet you showed me of the wins that they possibly get over a long period of time, it's just, it's just phenomenal. It's a win-win for the agency, it's a win-win for the landlord, it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, well, you think that the, the, the landlord as well, if we do it for three years, the landlord, and compared to an AST, which is a normal tenant, the landlord would have to renew that every single year and pay the agents a fee every yeah. single year. So, but the, the agents aren't bothered because they, they might lose out on two months worth of monthly income, if that makes sense, whilst they're getting that new tenant. Yeah. So the agents are like, well, we can shut our eyes for three years and get uh, a passive income. Paid. The, the landlords are like, I only have to pay the, the agents once and I get three years worth of income. Yeah. I don't have to pay, take care of any maintenance. I, no voids. The management's we where basically we manage it ourselves anyway because we service accommodation or HMOs. You've got to make sure it's clean, tidy, presentable, and and high standard. So the, for them, for each three years, they could shut their eyes and open them in three years. Um, yeah. uh, the only obviously thing with that is that they have to do the the larger stuff. Well, you know, sort of boiler, electric stuff like that. Do Do you have? I know we never asked this, and I'm I'm intrigued to know now. Did you Do you have rent to rent of your own? So we started uh, the company with that intention. Yeah, we're building our portfolio uh, uh, as much as possible. Basically, every deal we sourced, we were going to get one ourselves. That was the whole um, mission starting out. Yeah. Now. What happened quite quickly, uh, I spoke to a management company and they said they used to have rent-to-rents and they got rid of them all when they started managing other people's because it was a direct conflict of interest. Yeah. So he was going to fill his properties with bookings before his client, yeah. which is directly, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not It's not how you want to be doing it. business in your personal interest. Um, so if we started doing that, and we got I, I applied it and thought, and and looked back and thought, well, if we do that with our sourcing, we're going to be losing out either on the sourcing side and not delivering the best deals to our clients. So that's the, you know, the business is going to go down. Yeah. Or the other side is that we, we don't invest in rent to SAs and we just invest, but we can still invest in, in other things or in different yeah. areas potentially in the future. But, um, but the, the, it, for us personally, we can invest in, 10, 15 different other things that that doesn't um, confuse or, yeah. or you know mess with the business. So yeah, we and that's a, that's another that's another thing. Not a lot of people would think about that. Yeah, but it would have a massive effect on your business, especially if you're busy, you're trying to scale the business. And I know I, you you're bringing on team members. You're scaling the business quite quite a lot at the moment. Um, can you talk, talk a little about that? 
Yeah, so uh, I, it was just me when we started, and now including we, we have some like in-house um, marketing people and stuff like that. But all in all, there's about eight of us um, to get all, all together now. Um, we have people that just source every single day. They're just finding opportunities. We have people that just speak to clients every single day. Um, and the whole point is, is we want to build a team and a business and a culture where people can come in and thrive. You yeah. know, they, they, they can offer ideas. They can, um, they can work as much or as little as they want to, but it's only them that's going to suffer. Yeah, yeah. I'm not one of them people that I, I, I will motivate. Um, but at the same time, I'll also put a lot of accountability on themselves Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's the only way they're going to grow. You yeah. know, if you do everything for them, then, then it's not going to work. So we're trying to create an, a culture where everybody has their own identity, their own skills. They're growing every day. Um, and the bad thing about that is that then, then you know, I, I, a couple of members of our, our team, you know, they've got their own ideas and, and, and everything like that because you've pushed them and grown and stuff like that. Is it bad? Is it good? For me, I'm more in it to... Um, to help people grow rather than yeah. just a business. Yeah. So people come and go from every single business. You know what I mean? Um, I'd rather somebody go with, with saying that helped me out or rather than, you know, that, that I'm leaving because it's not working. Yeah. It's working, but it's working that well. I want to go and do something else. So is it, is it, is a lot of people in your business young, like yourself? Yeah. Um, that's Definitely. great again. I mean, teaching people the skills. I mean, property is a great business to get in when you're young because you've just got so much extra time. Um, yeah. it's, it's just next level. Um, so what I also wanted to ask you, because there's always a bit of um, people always talk about this. Do you, and I'm guessing when you're, when you're sourcing these deals, do you source them as self-managed or management team? Um, because a lot of people struggle. I know the a management team, when yes. you put that in, it can be quite a high fee. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people I know, when they're trying to source these rent to rent deals, as soon as they put the management team in, the deal's, the deal's not a deal anymore. I think what the, we, we said, when you sent this across, I really, really liked this one in particular because it's a constant question that gets brought up. Do I self manage or do I manage? Now, Self-managing is way more time intensive than anybody than anybody knows. Do you know? Like it, it's not just a case, especially if we're talking about service accommodation here. Um, you you've got to make sure cleaning's done, maintenance, guests are checked in, all the systems are set up. Yeah. Uh, you know how to take payments and everything like that. That's a whole different ball game. So it, it's not as easy as somebody might think. However at least you have control. Yeah. Now what the management companies by putting a management company in place is you don't have control of your, your deal anymore. Now, and the whole concept of rent to rent is control over ownership. You're passing that control over, but you're, you still got the risk. So I think it, it, me personally, uh, if we do get some rent to rent, I'm not going to manage them because I don't have time. Yeah even if it's the worst management company in the UK, they'll probably do better than I would self-managing because I'd probably put 20 minutes a week into it. Um, <laughs> and I'd have guests knocking at the door and I wouldn't even, you know, the, there'd be no keys there or something. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it all depends on your, uh, on your time situation, but also 
make sure when you get the management company, you know, you have a, you, you have a look at what they've been doing, what they've done in the past, what they're performing at. Have they got any references? Um, I mean, social proofing is one of the best ways to do it. You know, if they've yep. got a bit of following and stuff like that, then that would usually mean that they're doing the right things. Otherwise, that following would be would be shouting out. Again, um, the personal brand, pers- personal brand is massive in social media content. The amount of stuff they put out. I mean, I had a conversation with someone a couple of days ago, and we were talking about Facebook pages and why, why do I need a Facebook page? Um, I'm I'm doing this and that. I'm not going to go into what they're doing, but I'm doing this and that. I, I don't need a Facebook page for that. But when you Google my company, my website doesn't come up. My Facebook page comes up because it's got yeah. more people have been on it and it's a touch point for people. So yeah. as you said, when you're checking all these things out, social proofing is massive. But for your own business, you've got to be putting enough content out to get traction online and so people can view it. I think to put it simply, I think if, if you've got the time, yeah, it's worth investing in self-managing. Yeah. Because you save fifteen to twenty percent on the management fee. And that's gross, isn't it? That's... Yeah, that's well. So it's usually the, with our management companies, it's usually after like cleaning um, and your linen and everything like that. But just to put it simply, it's fifteen to twenty percent management fee. But then you've also got fifteen percent um, Airbnb or Booking dot com. Right, so if your nightly rate is a hundred pound a night, you're only coming out with seventy. Yeah. In effect, really, uh, and then you've got bills and rent to pay out of that. Yeah. So, if you've got the time to self-manage, one, you save on that fifteen percent. Yeah. But two, you can then work on getting that fifteen percent from Airbnb and Booking.com. You can work on completely getting that out of the way through direct bookings. Yeah, but then I mean, this come this goes straight into our next question. That's gonna self managing, um, and that's the reason I put this one first. Self managing is difficult to scale unless you're bringing on staff. And I mean, I know a lot of people these days when they get a taste for rent to rent, they want a rent to rent empire. Yeah. Um, so I mean, how do you scale a rent to rent business? I mean, obviously you've sourced loads of properties. You've seen you. I'm assuming you've seen. Um, investors with large rent-to-rent portfolios. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, you know, spoke to people like 40, 50. Oh, how have they done that? Because it seems a lot of work, um, a lot of properties. How, how, how do people do it? Um, it depends on what, how many properties you're talking about because there's two different levels. There's 10, 20, probably up to about 25 properties yeah. where you could do it yourself. Because once the systems are set up, if they're all in the same area or a couple of different areas, it's just a, it's just a full-time job. Yeah. You know, you're just checking that one, checking that one, boom, boom, boom. You use stuff like Asana to make sure you've got all your tasks done and, and everything's systemized. I think that's the key thing is if you're self-managing and you want to scale it, you need to understand how to systemize your business. Yeah. Because if it's all over the place and you're just reacting – it's going to feel like three times the work that it could be. Yeah. Um, now, if you're looking at 25 properties and above, that's when you're going to be looking at getting a team together. Uh, there's loads of different ways. Again, I'm, I'm not going to go into much detail, but you can use VAs. You can use uh, one operations manager. You can get a, a few part-time individuals who just do like, the admin tasks. 
Yeah. It's completely up to how much you need at that point and how far you want to scale it as well. You know, management companies, the one that I met yesterday, they've got about 300 and odd units. Yeah. Service accommodation units. Yeah. But with that, they've got a team of 30. They do all the furniture installations. They do, so it's, it depends where you want to take your business. Um, I, I, I think that's, that's massive. Like if you just want 20, 25 properties, keep it to yourself. It's not worth the headache of having other people involved because other people are the biggest property, uh, problem in property. Yeah, yeah. You, it I know. slows yeah. everything down. It makes messages. Honestly, if, if you could take one thing out of property, uh, and I love speaking to people, but it would be people that I would take out because yeah. property is so simple. Yeah. Um, and it, it's the people that make whether that's the guests that are just can't, can't even enter a code into a lockbox. Whether have you, it's have you, had, it, have you experienced a lot of that? Oh, people, because I'm connected to the management company apps, and um, I, I get mess, I see the messages coming through all the time. Um, which one is it on on uh, X Road? Do you know, it's like well, it says it on on your booking confirmation. <laughs> it says it in your check-in details. It says it on the, the actual address of the property. There's pictures of that particular one from the inside, outside, the street, everything. And they, they turn up and it's like five to nine at night and they go, uh, oh, which one is it again? Um, you know what I mean? You just think that that's the only thing that... that but your phone, your phone is constantly buzzing, I can imagine. Yeah, just constantly pinging off. So, um, But I think how to scale... That, one thing I wanted to mention on this is there's a great way to scale a rent-to-rent business yeah. um, without having to use much money. So... Okay. What we've got in place on our end uh, and what we can introduce people to if anybody's interested, you do need to have done about three, four deals before you start it. Um, but what you can do is you can actually 100% finance every single deal. Okay. So you can say, I'm going to pay the furniture, the sourcing fee, the rent, the deposit, management setup fees, any fees associated with that deal, even if it comes to 10 grand, a finance company will pay. So you can assist with that with your company? Yeah, so we can help. We can introduce you to our broker who okay. specialises in this. Um, so how, do, how does an investor get into that? As you said, the three or four deals with yourself, is it like a premium membership for your business type thing? Um, so what, what it is, is it's just anybody who's got three or four deals. So okay. if, they've done, if you've done three or four, what, they, what he wants to see is that when everybody's giving money away, yeah. That's why it's so hard to get your first property. Yeah. Because whenever a bank's giving money away, they want to see some sort of track record. Yeah. Now that's backward because to start with, you don't have a track record. Yeah. So you would think that they'd have other things to check. Yeah. But they don't. They just say, well, you haven't got a hit. You haven't got a history. There's these barriers. You don't meet them. That's it. Yeah. So that's why you've got to have two or three or four properties to be able to go to then lenders and say, right. Look at my track record. Look at this project. Do you agree? Yes, I do. Let's go. Perfect, perfect. Because I mean that that is an easy, as you said, easier way to scale your business. I mean, money money is one of the main barriers in property, and that eliminates probably the biggest barrier as well. I think it's really clever because uh, although you, obviously you have to pay interest on it, yeah, you're not putting a penny into it. Yeah, do you, do you know what I mean? You're not putting any money into it. Yeah, and people, people, people are so um, 
people are so crazy about these BR infinite yeah. return deals, no money down. And as you said, they're right there for rent to rent and people aren't looking at it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I, I never um, go into no money down deals because uh, I don't think it's that possible until yeah. you've got a couple. Yeah. So when people are starting out, I say to them, look, there's low money down, but there's no, no such thing as no money down because yeah. you're going to have to pay for rent. You're going to have to pay for contracts. You're going to have to pay for um, whether it's just travel there and back. You know, you're going to have to pay for something. Why on earth would you give it away? This is what, if it's a yeah. solid, and this, this is the thing, I mean, I tried sourcing back a, um, a while back and when I, when I was sourcing, I'd be on the phone to investors all the time and I'd, people approach you, I've got 100K, I'm looking for four to five no money down deals and you're sitting there like, if I had four to five no money down deals, I'd be raising finance with you, with your 100K, yeah. and then myself, it's just not, I mean, I, a lot of people go to sources to find, I mean, they're easier when you do commercial mortgages on HMOs. I get that. And I get yeah. that people can source them a lot easier and find them. But these small buy-to-let houses, not many sources are going to pass them on, especially if they're experienced sources. They'll be used to raising finance and they'll take them on themselves. But the fact that you can take any, so is it any rent-to-rent deal? Yeah, rent to rent deal. Obviously, if the numbers work, but is it yeah. any any rent to rent deal? If you find a rent to rent deal and you've got track record, and they come to you, you can help them get basically a no money down deal. Hundred percent finance, so it's everything included, upfront cost, um, and that can be split over the entire three years of the term. Then, so it means that you're paying out of profit, not out your back pocket. So it means that your profit's not as much every month. Yeah. Um, but you're not putting anything up front. You're just paying yourself back. Yeah. So your profit might be £300 a month. Instead of 600 but you've only put, you, you put zero in compared yeah. to putting, you know, five grand in. Yeah. So it works out uh, about the same. Uh, but as, as, as you're saying there, the beauty of it is, is it is genuinely no money down. You don't have to put a penny into it. Well, even if you do a rent to rent starting out, you've got to put, you're going to have at least two or three thousand pounds just in case. Um, yeah. and, and that's what people don't tell you. You know, they'll, they'll just say, oh, yeah, rent to rent, it's no money down. Sourcing, you've got to, you've got to have a thousand pounds to start sourcing. Yeah, I think it's a bit more these days. I think it's... Bare, bare minimum. Yeah. Absolute bare minimum. You need, you need about a thousand pounds, if not 1,100, as you're saying. Yeah. That's just, that's just to say I'm a sourcing business. Yeah, yeah, and people say no money down properties. You, you can go into detail about co-sourcing and all that, but um, if for your own business, because people get into property, they want their own business, they want the freedom, they want the personal time. Um, yeah, you need you need money to get into it. It's just about how you raise that money, how you find that money. <laughs> exactly what you're saying. Like co-sourcing is no money down. Co-sourcing is not a business. Yeah, it's just a stepping stone to yeah. to give you to give yourself a chance. Yeah, uh, establishing a business. Um, co-source. If you you know if you wanted to be the best co-sourcing business in in the country, then that's a different you know that's a different. But market. you'd still have your own business, wouldn't you? Yeah, that would be the thing. You still have to set up your own business because you can't business. call yourself a business without having a business. And to have a business, there's regulations, there's fees, there's insurance, there's exactly. loads of insurance. Exactly. And Even if you did a co-sourcing business, you'd have to have the right compliance there. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, when people say no money down, just just ignore them. It's a lot of yeah. Of so um, this, I've got three quick fire questions that I ask everyone as we come to the end of the show. So the first one is, what's your favourite property book 
or um, mindset book? What book would you recommend everyone read? The book that I would recommend anybody reads, it's, it's one I'm going to actually read again over Christmas. I've, I've read it like three times now. Um, it's a book called The Rich, Richest Man in Babylon. Okay. And um, it's, it's not to do with property as such, but it's more to do with uh, how you handle your money um, and what it means and the mindset behind it. But just the story uh, as well. Um, I think the whole... Uh, I quite like history in, in terms of looking back and, and just picturing yourself being in them times of being in that mindset back then and appreciating, wow, like that is some individual to be in that mindset then with no information, yeah. with, you know, with scripts that they were reading and, you know, scrolls that they were reading and stuff like that. And, and instead of dealing with uh, deal sourcing, they, you know, they were dealing with uh, sourcing sheep wool. Do you know what I mean? And stuff yeah. like that. I just think to the same methodologies back then um, can be applied to today. But to I really appreciate the, um, I think it's crazy how you can do that. So I, I would read that because it's completely, completely shifted my mindset away from um, money being an object to, to just money being a vehicle that you use. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I haven't read it, but I've had someone tell me to read it so many times. So I hope he doesn't see this clip because it'll be another another push to make me read it. So what about give us give us just a quick um, give us just a quick idea of what your plans are for the next five years? Yeah, so the next five years, um, there's a couple of different ways that we're gonna a couple of different routes that we're exploring. Um, we want to take the sourcing business as far as possible. Yeah. Um, one of the natural progressions for me is to go into teaching. Um, not because I want to make thousands and thousands of pounds being a teacher. I'll make far more money sticking to sourcing than I would for education. Um, but I actually enjoy it. It's just what I enjoy. I've done it in the past. Um, I've done it with the team. You know, brought them through. Um, I, just, I just enjoy doing it. It's just my natural personality. You just created, I've seen on Facebook, a free PDF. Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. So if anybody wants a copy, what I've done is, for anybody who's a bit uncertain, don't know what's going on right now, we've created a, a PDF, which is uh, five reasons why you should be investing in rent to service accommodation right now. But basically telling you what to uh, avoid, um, but what's working right now as well, because everybody thinks just because of the pandemic that service accommodation is dead. Yeah, it's not. It's dropped, but only in certain areas. So this, that the PDF is for anybody who's in service accommodation, looking to get started in service accommodation, is an expert in service accommodation. It, it'll it'll really how, open your eyes. To how, do, how do how do people find that? So they will basically, if you go on uh, professional property sourcing, which is uh, my company. I leave a link on this video as well. A link, so we've got a link tree set up. And one of the links on the link tree is uh, the free PDF link. There's also the YouTube channel, which is coming and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the free PDF. Also, reach out to me personally and I can send you the link. Um, if you want to drop me a message on Facebook, if you want to uh, drop me a message on Instagram, uh, it's just my name. So LinkedIn, any, any of the platforms, uh, I'd be more than happy to, to send you that across. Awesome. And as Jess says, completely free. So I mean, why not, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, Why not? Uh, it, it's we, you know, these lessons are, 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 are. You only get these lessons that these reasons 
by being in it every single day. Yeah. From the outside in, it might not even make that much sense. But once yeah. you get in, you'll be like, ah, right, I know what he means now. And I get it. And, and this is stuff that's really in in the industry to a, a bit of a deeper level. But yeah. to somebody looking from the outside in, it might say, right, I know which pathway I want to take to go deep now and how to go deep. So, um, And any questions off the back of it, again, just reach out to me on, on, on social media through one of the channels. Awesome, awesome. And so then the last question, um, yeah. this again, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know and it hits them by surprise. Who do you look up to in business or property? Who's that one person? Uh, for, there's two people that I absolutely <laughs> love. There's two people that I absolutely love. Neither of them are really businessmen. Okay. Um, Mike Tyson. Yeah. And Conor McGregor. Why? And the reason is, is because regardless of business or, or money or anything like that, it's the it's the, the the it's what they have here. You know, they have something where it's the 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 different in the way that they think, the way that they move, the way that they talk. Um, the confidence that they both have is just incredible. The yeah. way that they carry themselves. Um, they both made a lot of mistakes as well, which I think takes even more character to bounce back. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just absolutely admire the pair of them. I, I know Conor McGregor's been, um, you know, he's had good things said about him, bad things. But same with Mike Tyson, they've both done things they shouldn't have done. Um, but everybody does that, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's, I, I just think it's just down to earth. Genuine people, they believe in themselves. Um, and they talk a lot about the internal rather than the external. Yeah, and I think I've that's seen that most... I've seen oh, yeah. McGregor. Yeah, McGregor. Even Mike Tyson, he does a hot boxing podcast. Yeah. And um, he goes straight away within five, ten minutes, he's taken it from a nice conversation to a deep, meaningful, like the psychological side of how Mike Tyson works. He's a really clever guy. He's yeah. really, really clever guy. And, and uh, not, many, not many people. Um, I didn't realise it until I started really looking into him and following him and, and listening. Um, but I, I, I respect and I look up to them too a lot because they just don't give a, a fuck about anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. Or anyone. Or, or They just don't care. Yeah. Neither of them. And I think that's sometimes you have to have that little nasty like side to you that says, I don't care. Yeah. I'm, going, I'm going there. I'm doing it. And I don't care. I think that's why I like both of them so much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly important property. <laughs> That's one of the main things. Okay. Okay, well, thanks for coming on, Jack. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave links, your links, um, in the description below and on our Facebook page. So if anyone wants to check Jack out, um, just click down below and check that out. Um, this will be going on your your channel as well, I believe. So, Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to chop it up and put it on our channel. And also, um, if there's anybody that's looking to... Just have a chat about rental service accommodation. You know, it's not going to cost anybody anything. I'm not one of them that says, right, it's it, for 45 minute consultation, it's going to cost you 50 quid or all like yeah. that. Um, it, it's it's just to have a chat and see if we, I can help you out or our team can help you out or you can help us out. You know, yeah. have a people reach out, say, look, I can help you out. I've looked into it and it's worked. Yeah. So either way. Awesome. So they can they can just text you on Facebook for that? Yeah, yeah. Just message Facebook, Instagram. Um, like if somebody wants my number, I'm more than happy for you to share that with them. Um, 
and you know it's about about connecting with as many people as possible so yeah of course awesome well thanks for coming on jack um hope you have a great 2021 as, as well next year and hopefully we can have you on in the future brilliant thank you Harry. cheers jack